I want to talk a little bit about Apprentice, and I know Andrew mentioned it in the video, in his great deep voice. I've been practicing my deep voice. It'll never be that low. If smoking was okay for pastors, that's probably the only way that it would get there. But I uh, don't do that, so don't worry. Um, my dad was slash is a diamond polisher. He grew up in a time where he, uh, he could have gone to university, but uh, he, he became an apprentice diamond polisher, and at that stage, the, the diamonds were kind of, it's part of obviously South Africa's history, a lot of exploitation, but a lot of money came, came out of that. My dad literally left school 16, 17, I think he left early, and he became an apprentice, and he called it an appy, and he always talks about his days as an appy, and he would, and he would watch uh, another diamond polisher polished diamonds on, on, on diamond dust, and um, he'd sit there, and he'd learn, and he'd learn that there's different angles. I remember when I was buying uh, Stala, her, her engagement ring made me poor. Okay, so if, you, dude, if you're a dude and you're planning to get engaged, it must cost you. Like, don't think, oh, this is spare money. Like, it must cost you because it cost me. I had zero in my bank. I had to borrow 500 dollars from a friend just to eat food that month. But anyways, I know Stala's eternally grateful. But when I, I, I remember speaking to my dad, and it was, it was the days before you could send WhatsApp uh, pictures. I mean, can you remember those days? It was a while ago, okay? And uh, I would I'd say, Dad, this is the grading, this is the color. And he'd be like, okay, boy. And, he, and he'd be able to tell me off the top of his head what I should be looking for, what I shouldn't be looking for. And I eventually got a diamond that's, okay, we're not billionaires, but we, we got it. It was pretty good. I mean, Stylist still shows that ring off. And I got another one for her 40th birthday. Again, Jesus, help us. <laughs> I said, uh, anyway, okay, I'm going to diverge a little bit. But, um. My dad was an apprentice, and as I was preparing this, I actually got quite, I was, I was crying in my room, and like I came out, I was just, oh, I'm a mess. And I was just so proud of my dad. I was so proud that actually when I think about him, I learned work ethic from him. I learned, my, my dad's still the old school. Like he will, he is now in his 70s. He has, still has a job, because unfortunately that's some of the way that I, I, some of our parents are uh, back in the country that I'm from. And he still has to work, but he works from like 9 to 5. He has a midday nap because he's allowed to. And, uh, but he's, he's still working hard. And every time I phone him, I say, I say, hey, Dad, how's it going? He goes, hey, boy, I'm working hard. And I was like, I love that. And I learned that from my dad. And I, I, I watched his life. And I watched how he would give up everything to, to sacrifice for his family. And he learned, the, and my dad is also a carpenter, just like Jesus. And if, the, if you look at the word that for Jesus says, there was a son of a carpenter, he's obviously picked up his dad's trade. The word there is tecton. It's actually more of a stonemason, a builder. Who's a builder, engineer, quantity surveyor in this room? I'd say a good, do you want to raise your hand quickly? A good majority of you, or even at home. And you're involved in the building industry, which is very interesting at the moment in Dubai, I'm sure. And the reason I bring that up is that Jesus... First role of making disciples was to be a disciple. He was a disciple to his dad. His dad would plane the wood. You know, in that, uh, in that Jesus, the, the Passion of the Christ movie, they showed that Jesus invented chairs. Okay, that's not true. Okay, guys, let's just theologically correct that. I don't know if he may have. I don't know. But uh, G- Jesus was building houses. He was, uh, he was uh, part of, he'd fix things. He was, he'd follow his dad. There's not much mentioned about Joseph kind of uh, other than the first few years of Jesus' life. But the point I want to make is that Jesus learned how to disciple by doing very practical, menial things. 
And he learned it from his father. He followed the Son of God, humbled himself, and started to follow Jesus. So he started to follow Joseph, his dad. And I want to say maybe the first step of discipleship in any of us is humility. That Jesus knows better. His word is better. And I think we live in a world that is so conflicting. There's so many things that are coming against us. And we, we, there's, this, there's this wokeness in, 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 uh, in the world at the moment. And it's basically, if you, if you kind of filter that into the church, it's that I actually know better than 2,000 years of Scripture and church history. And we don't. Jesus knows better. We need to humble our hearts before him, just as Jesus humbled himself. And we're going to get on to Matthew 9. But if you look at the preceding verses, and if you go do a quick skim read through Matthew, you can even go look at the headings. It starts out, Jesus comes out of the, the desert in the power of the Spirit, and he begins to preach the gospel. He calls his disciples. But as he calls his disciples, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He calls these Fishermen who are down by the lake of Galilee, and he calls them into something greater. It says immediately he went and preached, and he healed the sick, and he raised the dead. He preached the gospel, Matthew 5 to 7. He preaches one of the greatest sermons ever, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 8. He, he's, he's teaching them. He sleeps on the boat in a storm. He calms the storm. He drives out demons into pigs. And all this time, he has the disciples with him. And I want to say that not only did Jesus learn how to be a disciple with his dad, and learn how to follow well. Because if you, you, you can follow, if you learn how to follow well, God will give you your own vision. I can tell you that right now. If you learn how to submit to someone else or to another person's vision, God will give you your own vision as you prove faithful in that moment. And these disciples walked alongside him and, and, he, and he, began to, he began to disciple them into adventure. And I want to, I, I, when I was kind of, on the fence of like kind of going back to church, I'm like, okay, all I thought about was like all the stuff that I had to give up, okay? And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning, it's your first time in church or whatever, it is. you're like, man, I, I can see something in Christianity that, that attracts me, but I'm like, oh man, I don't want to give all these things up. Don't think about these things. Think about Jesus. Jesus calls these, uh, these, these fishermen into adventure. It's not, we are not meant to live a boring Christian life. This church is the half time. It's, it's the time where we get refreshed. At school, we used to get oranges at half time. It was awesome. You'd play your second half of, of rugby or football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, or netball or whatever it is after your oranges. This is the time where we're meant to get refilled, re-envisioned, because we're actually called to make disciples. We're called to be a disciple, first of all, and we're called to make disciples. And it happens in our everyday life. It happens as people are watching how you conduct business, how you are to your coworkers. All of these things matter. But it starts, first of all, by following him. So let's pick up in Matthew 9, verse 9. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. I'm reading out of the NLT. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to them. Some versions just say follow me. So NLT is just kind of giving a bit of a commentary on what's actually happening there. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home for dinner with, with his dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Hmm. The sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Don't you love Pharisees? I'm going to talk about who they are at the moment because they're actually church people. 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. If Jesus had a vision statement for his life, it would be that. You see him sitting with sinners, those who are far from God, always being the influence, never being influenced. It's a very key part. But I want to just start with a few things, okay? So if you've got a subtitle for this, it's the six words that will change your life. Follow me and be my disciple. There we go. (laughs) That's cool. The Bible's being read to us. Number one, that's not really a point, but Matthew was a tax collector. Let's think about that. He ultimately was a disgrace and a traitor to his community. Now, think about who Jesus chose. He didn't choose the the pharisaical elite who knew the ins and outs of the Torah and could recite scripture. He, He chose the traitors, the ones that would be ridiculed by his own countrymen. So what a tax collector of the day was a Jewish person who had sided with Rome. Okay, let's fast forward a few thousand years later. That's as bad as a Jewish person in Europe who's siding with the Nazi regime. That's exactly what it was. And he was taking taxes. Not only was he taking taxes from the Jewish people, and FYI, that there's good historical evidence that they would have taxed the fish that came out of the Lake of Galilee. So can you imagine the meeting of the first time with the fishermen and the tax collectors? He said, weren't you the guy that used to take way too much from my little fish that I caught? He was, uh, he was, he was rejected by the society. He, he, not only that, he was, he was able to extort the people. So he would kind of not only take the tax that he would have to give to the Roman governors, but he didn't, they didn't mind if he took a little bit extra. So it is to his discretion, whatever he charged people. He'd be like, okay, cool, you like 10 shekels, but no, Ryan, I don't like you so much, so you're going to be 100 shekels today. And he has no, anyone ever felt that feeling of injustice and there's nothing you can do about it? Ah, oh, it's the worst. That's where he just said, God, would you just smite them now? No, just kidding. You're not allowed to do that. I have prayed those prayers. <laughs> but God doesn't listen to those prayers. He's the kind of, the, he's the character in the movie, Matthew, that at the end, there's like this serpent that comes out of the ocean and bites his head off. Like, he's that dude. You, he's not the favored person in Jewish society, but Jesus calls him. Jesus called him because ultimately Matthew knew he was sick. Deep down, this only, only for, for so long can you keep doing bad things that it begins, begins to affect your soul. So when Jesus comes along, and he, Matthew would have known about Jesus. He would have known and heard about this miracle worker, this man who's coming from Galilee. He's seen people saved. He's kind of calm storms. There was a bit, there was a bit of a reputation. And he comes and he goes, that's what I want. That's who I want to follow. That's the, what I'm doing right now is empty. I'm sitting at work and I'm empty. Something's missing. John Mayer wrote the classic song, Something's Missing, and I don't know what it is. How's it go? Good money check, guitar check. He's got, he's got all of these things, but something's missing. Something's missing in Matthew's life. Secondly, Matthew was at work, and I absolutely love that. That Jesus will find you wherever you are. He doesn't need a, a prayer meeting. 
an outreach moment. He doesn't need a, a revival to break out in the church. He doesn't need these things. He just, when it's your time of being sick is done, Jesus steps into your life. And I can remember that happening clearly for me 20 years ago. There was a moment, I was like, okay, I had sensed God was calling me for a while from at least 14, 15 to kind of throw my life all into him, but I wasn't ready. And he kept calling. And then there was a moment, 17 years old, something broke, something changed. I didn't need a church around me. I was literally sitting in my friend's house after going out, partying at a club called Joe Cools, which some of you remember from Durban days. And, um, and I'd come back and we had just drank a, a, a five, liter, five liters of box wine, guys. Um, and we were just done. And I'm sitting there, and I, as clear as day, I could hear God's voice calling me. He said, what are you doing with your life? From that moment, I knew. I knew that, that was the moment God called me. Maybe God's calling you now. Maybe God has been pulling you into church. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've been tuning in online. Uh, with Stella, I met with someone recently, she's, and, and I was so surprised that she's actually been tuning into our church service. I was like, wow, that's amazing. There are people that I don't know that are tuning into our church service. That could be you right now. It's easy to go to church, citylightsdubai.org, click the thing, and you're in church. God is calling you. God called Matthew. He arrives on the scene. He found the thing that his soul had been aching for, Jesus. And sometimes God will take us through circumstances, even while we're following him, where we actually, there's an ache, something's missing, and we just throw, throw it all in. I've had so many moments like that with Jesus. It's like, God, like, I've tried to do this one thing my own way, and it's not happening, and I just surrender. It's like, I can't. I can't anymore. The amazing thing is Matthew's response. Wow, I want to talk to him one day. When we're in glory together, I'm going to just sit down, because we're going to have a long time, and he's going to be chilling with the, with the top dogs. I'll just say, okay, listen, can we chat? And, um, and I said, dude, how did it feel when, when Jesus called you? When he just said, follow me. What is the thing when Jesus just says two words or six words or a sentence that just calls him and he says that he just got up and he followed him? And every moment of discipleship, we went through this last week, it's follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me is the key thing. Just follow Jesus. Matthew never asked, um, listen, what about my retirement plan? Uh, can I just quickly f finish building my portfolio? Then I'm going to follow you. Can I just finish my career? Then I'm going to follow you. The amazing thing about Matt Matthew compared to the fisherman is that he knew what he had lost. It's not like he can follow Jesus then go back to tax collecting. It's like it was done. The door was shut. The, the, the fisherman could go back to fishing. He threw everything in. He said, I'm yours completely. He burnt the bridges behind him. And I remember... Uh, Bruce, who's sitting at the back there, his uncle called him MacGyver, um, just because he can literally do anything. Like, he can preach, he can do all of the spiritual stuff, but also behind the scenes, he's able to do a whole bunch of stuff. He's a great musician, he's a good friend. And, um, and I remember he was like, hey, I'm getting married, and um, Danae was in America, and we had a Skype chat with him, and so she was in America, that was when we did Skype before Zoom. I was, they was in America, Bruce was in South Africa, uh, they were about to get married, Stahl and I were here, and they were like, man, we, we actually feel like we don't want to go back to SA because we just want to start our own life. 
They didn't feel at that stage to move to the States. Um, and they're like, man, we actually feel like we want, want to be kind of be part of City Lights. And at that stage, Bruce was doing some part-time design work for us. Even before he was in full-time staff, he was in part-part-time staff. So I said, listen, Bruce, cool, you can come. I can only pay you. Like, I couldn't, I don't even remember what I paid. I said, dude, you, for the first two months, we're going to have to find you, like, a free accommodation. Because we, we weren't, like, very big then. Probably 60, 80 people. We had, like, just enough to kind of, I think we had one other person on staff. It was Stalin, myself, and one other person. And we are like, okay, cool. Bruce, I know you're going to add value. And, uh, and he came, and he literally just stayed from house to house. For the, and it was, it was rough, eh, Bruce? It was hard. It was like baptism by fire into a marriage. It wasn't like this perfect, like he arrives in Dubai and he's got this amazing thing set up. It's like him and Danae set their hearts in adventure. And I think some, like that, that was, and look at now, I mean, God's provided for them. We've got a beautiful kid. Like they, they, they're styling. But sometimes we need to be like that. It's the this, it's this stepping out in faith that is part of every journey in following Jesus. It's not safe, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be adventurous. You, you're going to trust God for everything. You're going to trust God for your finances. You're going to trust God for absolutely, as you step out of your comfort zone and you begin to follow Jesus and just simply say, God, I'm going to follow you. He just got up. What does the scripture say? And he followed him. He didn't, he didn't say, listen, can I finish today? Can you come back at lunchtime, Jesus? There's like this immediacy that, that happens when you, when you step up and follow Jesus. Then the final thing, in this story is that Matthew throws a dinner party. And I love this. I love that you see throughout the Gospels, Jesus hung out with sinners. Can I say that God is not that concerned about growing this church with people who know church already? It's great if you come, and I'm very stoked. You guys help us build and get behind the vision and all that kind of... God, is, it, God wants to build church with people who are far from Him. And I never want us to lose that. As we are in 10 years now, we've been going for 10 years, let us not lose the edge that we had when we first started. And we're here to reach people who are far from Jesus. And Jesus sat down with sinners. The Bible just calls it as it is. People don't like that wording now. We don't like to be called sinners. We don't like to be called that we're in rebellion to God. We are and thank goodness that Jesus sat down with them. So he had Matthew, he's like, man, Jesus, you've just called me. Wait till you see my friends, they're way worse. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you call them. I'm hoping that the same love that you've extended to me. So you have Matthew, who was this tax collector who had a pen in his hand. He, and he was radically saved by Jesus. He began to follow him and he, became, and he, and he ends up writing one of the first kind of discipleship manuals in history. Matthew, who wrote this book. And then the Pharisees come. This go bump, bump, okay? Who invited them, first of all? Okay, that's also like, if you read into these stories, who invited the Pharisees? Church people are nosy. They want to know what's happening. They're seeing something of the life of God. Let me tell you what Pharisees are on, on, on today's level. It's, it's those who criticize the life of God but not get involved. It's, you can find anything on YouTube to, to knock any movement across this planet. There's, I look up to churches that like Bethel and Hillsong and all of these things. And like, but you're going to have, with every post that they put up, you're going to have a thousand people that are going to say, you're not biblical, you're not following the Bible, you're, you're a heretic and all this trash. I'm like, okay, cool, what are you doing? That's a pharisaical spirit. They feel like they're the watchdogs to the doctrine of the church. And we had that when we first started. And I had to be strong around these things. And I said, I remember the first time 
hopefully the persons I'm watching who said this, I don't think he would be okay. He's very much not. But he basically, um, anyway, if he is, I apologize because maybe you've changed. Okay. And um, so this, uh, Stala was going to preach. Okay. Stala is an incredible preacher. Can we just have an amen and please? She's going to preach in two or three weeks' time. Thank you, Jesus. And you guys can all be happy about that. And um, he said to he he's like, uh, dude, I need to have a coffee with you. I'm like, why? He goes, uh, no, I can't come to church because Stala is preaching. And I said, uh, I won't tell you exactly what I said in that, in that meeting, okay, because you guys would not have a ton of respect for me. But I was strong. And uh, I just, I was just, I was shocked because he's basically saying that I can't sit under women preaching. I can't sit under because the Bible says this. And I'm like, first of all, dude, you've been saved how many months? Six months? Uh, how much of the scriptures do you know it's truly? Like, are you just reciting it or is it, are you just kind of finding your view on the internet that will back your view? And I got up that day before Silas preached and it was like 60 people in the church. And I just said, guys, I'm going to say this once and never again. And I just gave a little 10-minute expounding of why we allow women to, to speak in this church, why we celebrate women's gifting. And I just, we just set something in stone. And I can tell you that pharisaical spirit will come and try to drown out the life of God. So that's a high-level Pharisee. A low-level Pharisee is, is someone who just will find problems with everything. Not get involved, will just be like an observer of a soccer match or a football match or a rugby match. And you have all the opinions in the world. I follow SA Rugby magazine on Facebook or Instagram, one of the two. And then someone will post something and then there'll be a hundred comments about, oh, this guy's not good. He shouldn't have been chosen for the Lions for blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, dude, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, are, are you that good to even be considered for that? And uh, so that's a low-level Pharisee. And I think there's a Pharisee in all of our hearts. Sometimes the longer we've been in church, maybe we've been offended by something, maybe we've been offended by someone in the church, by leadership or whatever. It's not the way that I would do it. It's not the way. And it's like we actually, that's, that's, we just need to repent of that because Jesus says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It means so much. But one of those is a critical spirit. So Jesus, I'm all in. Let's this, this not be a Pharisee. And I love what Jesus, Jesus responds to the Pharisees where he says, I haven't come to those who think they are well. I've come to those who know they are sick. And Jesus' heart, he says, listen, I'm, I'm the doctor. The thing you need, I can fix. But the Pharisees weren't ready to hear that. They were like, they were just these like doctrinal watchdogs. And Jesus sat with sinners. It's a very simple message today. Jesus sat with me. At some point in my life, Jesus where he was, he's right there, okay? So sometimes, like, he, he sat down with me and he began to call me. He said, will you follow me? Will you follow me in the good, in the bad? Will you follow me when good things are happening to you, when, when you're going through incredible valleys and bad things are happening to you? Will you follow me when you make mistakes? Will you keep following me? Will you follow me, like the psalm says, through valleys, through mountaintops, when you're full of faith, when you're working through doubt, when you're depressed, when you're full of joy, will you follow me? And there's a simple, simple, simple prayer that I think, I mean, essentially, Matthew didn't even pray a prayer of a sinner's prayer. It's, it's amazing. He just got up and he followed. So I've asked the worship team to sing a song that we used to sing a lot a few years ago. If you want to guys want to come up, it's um, the Hill song. I think it's, I've decided to follow Jesus. 
And it's, I think they took it from a very old school 80s song. But there's something so powerful about declaring this. Declaring this over your life. Say so from this day, from this day forward, I'm going to follow Jesus. To, we can't even talk about discipleship, which we'll get into kind of how Jesus molds us. And over years, we become more like Christ. And we get to do the things that Jesus did. It starts with follow me. And some of you have been a follower of Jesus or a Christian for a very long time, but you're not actually following Jesus. Today we can make right. Say, so God, I, I, I don't know where it's going to lead me. I'm stepping out on the water. I don't understand, but I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. Can we stand and pray? Then we're going to sing the song together.